Hi everybody, it's Ian here and the Energy Leader Podcast. Now hands up who of you, when you remember being back at school, were told by your teacher or maybe it appeared on your report card that you needed to be more focused and less distracted. That's kind of like nearly all of us, yep. Deep down inside, we've all been susceptible to distractions and yet we're taught by productivity tools that distractions are really bad for us. So why is it that we find it so difficult to resist getting distracted. That's the subject of today's Energy Leader podcast. Go to the self-improvement section of any bookstore and I wager you will find a book that implores you to achieve more by limiting distractions. The curious part of my brain wonders, what is it about our nature that means we're so drawn into distractions and so many of us struggle to bring them into order? So today's blog is all about exploring distractions and why do we find them so irresistible? Now, hands up, who'd like to find a way of creating more time in the day? That's probably most of us. Covid and lockdown has teased even the most reluctant technophobes into the wonderful world of Zoom and Google Meet and Microsoft Teams. Friends and family endlessly innovated virtual get-togethers and our business lives have quickly adapted to let's have a quick Teams call. These days, a suggestion of a teleconference feels from another era, such as the progress that we've made over the past two years. Hands up every parent out there who remembers what it's like or is currently raising a toddler. It's a tough period in life. Now, my son is a little more grown up, but I seem to be inviting technological toddlers into my life all of the time. Every device I buy these days, or I own right now, appears to have its own inbuilt little toddler. The one that is constantly tugging at your trouser leg, asking for your attention, and then becoming increasingly noisy until you relent and switch focus. Notifications pop up constantly, whether on my phone, my tablet, my watch, laptop screen, all wanting my attention. Messages from colleagues appearing along with the tempting little toaster peaks embedded in Outlook that tease you with important message from the big boss or this will only take a minute. Things that are just impossible to resist or so you think. And you'd be wrong. When we're distracted by these messages, the impact is not just in switching to read the email. A study by Gloria Mark at the University of California looked at how our brains cope when we're distracted between tasks. Her study found that although typically we're able to return back to our original task and complete it without an impact in quality, this whole effort creates a cognitive load on our brains. In other words, to recover from a two-minute quick read of that email, it may take us a whopping 25 minutes of additional brain effort to recover our flow and get back to where we were. And we do this 
by either working longer hours to recover or putting more stress on our brains where that exhaustion impacts other tasks later on in the day. Sooner or later, it all catches up with you, whether that's at work or more frequently when we switch back to home life in the evening. How many of you, when you were a kid at school, ever had a school report to the effect of Ian would be completely awesome if only he would focus more and be less distracted? Positioned this way in countless school reports, the choices are laid out before us. Focus versus distraction. Awesomeness versus, well, whatever the opposite of awesomeness is. So teacher has spoken, and the simple solution, therefore, must be to discipline ourselves to avoid distractions, right? So why is it much harder to do this than to say it? Neuroscience gives us a few clues. Distractions are very important to life and are very survival. Right from the outset of living in caves, it was quite useful whilst cooking dinner to be able to hear something threatening outside that may be about to make us the centre of their evening meal. And whilst we don't necessarily have to think about a sabre-toothed tiger assaulting us so much these days, we do still rely on distractions to keep us safe. Think about your trip to complete your commute to work or the school run. If your brain wasn't hardwired to be alert to the external stimuli that's willing to be distracted from the task that you've given it, you might be driving down the street blissfully unable to see the cyclist coming from the side road, or a child's ball passing in front of you shortly followed by its owner, or the brake lights of the stopped traffic in front of you. Have you ever found your brain kind of on autopilot and wondering how you ever got to your destination? That's your brain eliminating distractions to be able to focus on something else. And whilst that sounds marvellous, we all know how disconcerting it feels to have no recollection how you steered the car to its destination. Our brains are geared to be cognitive misers. They filter out the things that they think are unimportant in order to allow us to spend time on the things it thinks are more important. And yet distractions can also be good and positive things that create spontaneity and innovation. If da Vinci and Newton and Galileo and others had followed their teacher's advice to avoid being distracted, we might have missed out on some of the world's best innovations and discoveries that came about because a distraction in nature then went on to inspire a great scientist to consider that design in engineering or architecture that we now rely on. When we're taught as young children that distractions are bad, it turns out it's not so simple. We need distractions, we just don't need them going on all of the time. When we fight and resist the urge to respond to a distraction, that in itself absorbs mental energy and is really challenging to achieve. What we need to do instead is create spaces where we allow ourselves to be distracted and spaces where we will mentally push distractions into a place when we really, really need them. It's about organising our day in this way. Just as toddlers are notoriously selfish by nature, this means finding ways of segmenting our day 
so that the technological toddlers that surround us are put into daycare for just a few hours when we really want to deploy the executive functions in our brain, deep focus and decision making. And then give them some space later on to run wild, make some noise before putting them back into technological daycare. Despite what teacher said, we are hardwired to perceive distractions. And it turns out that when we try to fight distractions, we use energy just in that process. And we're also not terribly good at it either. So if you want to create an energy boost and improve your productivity, here are three things to try. The first is to recognize the impact of distractions. Activities that call on your executive functions, such as preparing to chair a meeting, writing that critical report, considering an employee evaluation, they really tax the brain. If you permit distractions to come in, you will lose far more time taken to handle the just a minute intervention. Couple of minutes on that email, 25 minutes to recover. Just think of the maths. The second is to practice your improving your recovery time when you are distracted. Research shows that your recovery time from distraction can be improved by how open-minded you feel to new experiences, whether you see new information and experiences as positive, influence on your mindset, and those people are able to recover better from distractions. The other way that you can improve your recovery time is to do with how rigidly you hold your plan for the day. If you're a minute-by-minute planner, then maybe consider crafting fire breaks in the day to help you get back on course. And the third thing, of course, is to park the technological toddlers in digital daycare whilst you're needing to do tasks that require decisions and judgment so that you can achieve more and faster. And if you're the kind of leader who likes to pride themselves on my door is always open, maybe practice keeping it slightly ajar, if not wide open all the time. So the time your team have with you means they get your absolute and fullest attention, and in turn, you can get the best energy that your team can offer you. Thank you for joining us today on the Energy Leader Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Energy Leader Podcast, the show that's all about helping us manage and optimize our energy levels and beating burnout. I'd love it if you'd subscribe to the show, make use of the show notes, and check us out for more resources at www.theenergyleader.com. We'll see you next time.